welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. I want to talk today as a title from this text, Anchored in Jesus's Empathy for Us. Anchored in Jesus' empathy for us. Father God, you are a mighty and wonderful God. And I thank you that although you are transcendent, above and beyond everything, you are imminent yet close. Lord God, all I'm asking today is you would stabilize people today with knowing how close you are to them and how committed you are to them. Let the words of my mouth reflect your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, as you know, even what, what I said today, it's always funny when you go through something difficult and somebody say, I know exactly what you're going through. And you're like, nah, you ain't been through this here. Um, it's just like me saying to my wife while she's in painful labor, I know exactly what you're going through. Um, that would get some slappage, which I would deserve. Uh, I, I actually deserve it um, because I don't know what she's going through. Um, however, there are times when people have experienced certain parallel, same, or uh, 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 orange-level uh, experiences that even though they may not have gone through the same thing as you, they understand hardship. And empathy is a very Christian thing. Uh, 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 empathy is is interesting. Let me let me let me let me define it a little bit. It's the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. It's also the action. I like that of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of another. In other words, it, uh, uh, empathy is the ability uh, to see the world from someone else's vantage point. That, that, that means in some way, shape, or form, there is a powerful ability, even if you haven't gone through what someone exactly hasn't gone through, that you put yourself in a position to be near enough to them and their experience to be able to feel it enough to say, I don't understand what you're going through, but I'm here while you're going through it. And so, and so interestingly enough, in the faith, we, it says, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In other words, the Christian faith is a deeply empathetic faith. It, it's not something where you look at somebody who's going through something or have hardship uh, and, 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 and you distance yourself from it because of the fear of what empathy would take. Because sometimes empathy costs you. Yeah, it, it, it costs you to be empathetic because empathetic is not just entering the situation to feel it. It's also to help do what the Bible says, bear one another's burdens. But there's no one in the universe that's done it better than our Jesus there's no one. There's no one. In this text, interestingly, it's a strange text. Know why it's strange? Because what is this book about? What is it about? One more time. 
So Jesus is better, don't give up. Why in the world would it put a passage about Jesus' empathy there? Because he doesn't, he doesn't just want us to know about Jesus' empathy when we're suffering. In other words, Jesus' empathy is also helpful when you're on the fringes of your faith. In other words, here he's going to use this as a way to keep people from apostasy. Because sometimes apostasy happens when a person is distanced from the care that Jesus has for them. And so this passage, in other words, you, you see, you, you, you've seen through the book that the faith is theological, it's biblical, it's intellectual. But here you're going to see that it's social, relational, and emotional. And, 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 and the faith, faith in Jesus Christ has, has a multitude of dimensions. That's what's beautiful about being in Jesus. He, the, 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 the gospel is, is not just to take care of your soul, it's to make you whole. So the, so the gospel is about ministering to the whole person to make whole people. Please hear that. And so this passage is beautifully laying out the fact that Jesus' empathy is a stabilizing mechanism, which brings me to my first point. If you are going to be anchored in Jesus' empathy for you, the first thing you must recognize is Jesus' commitment to us deserves our undivided attention. Jesus' commitment to us deserves our undivided attention. Look at what it says in verse 14. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. This would have been an interesting statement to the Hebrew people. The reason why this would have been an interesting statement to the Hebrew people, and we'll see more and more, is because in their day, um, you, you have to understand earth, and we'll see more and more in Hebrews, that earth, and particularly the earthly tabernacle, was a reflection of uh, the blueprint for the heavenly tabernacle. Y'all got to stay with me. Um, and, so, and, so, and so in the earthly tabernacle, there was an outer court, there was an inner court, and there was a holies of holies. There were three levels to it. Now, on the day Yom Kippur... Um, you could only, the, the high priest would only go in there once a year. And they would tie a string around his ankle because if he didn't do things right and fell dead, they wasn't going to get him because they didn't want to drop dead either. So he would get dragged out. And so he would fearfully go into the holies of holy to make uh, atonement or just to cover the sins of the people for a year. So you had the outer court. He's passing through the outer court. He's a little fearful. He's like, I made it. Whew. Okay, in a court. <laughs> He's walking through. Hope I did everything right, Yahweh. Okay. Then there it is, the holiest of holy. And as he peeks between that purple curtain, the thick curtain, he looks between and he pulls it aside. He looks back. <laughs> and he looks up and he's like, he sees the mercy seat. He sees the golden bars. And he sees the seraphim covering the mercy seat, and he has blood in his hands, and he's walking in, but he's going to sacrifice for himself and the people. But it says here <laughs> that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. There are three heavens. 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 that he was caught up to the third heaven. Y'all got to stay with me. Jesus went through the outer court of the real heaven as he was ascended into heaven. In other words, when he told them at the, in Acts chapter 1, a cloud came down and he got on that cloud. And he surfed up to heaven. And he passed by the heavenly powers and looked at him. And the evil powers like, uh-oh, he's going back. And Jesus Christ gets to the outer court of heaven and he steps off the cloud. And then everybody bows and pays homage to the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as he goes from the outer court, that's where everybody can be. Then there's the inner court. Nobody's there. But there's unapproachable light. And the cherubim move their wings out of the way so that he could return to the mercy seat. And what's funny, nobody had a string around his ankle. Because he didn't need to be pulled out just in case something happened. He's so fly with his sacrifice is that he turned the Golgotha's hill into the place where his sacrifice was taken. And he went there, and when a high priest goes into the holies of holies, he has to go in and come back out. Y'all didn't hear that. But Jesus Christ went in, and he stays there. Matter of fact, he even had the audacity to sit on the mercy seat. Why is this important? Because our priest is our God. And because our priest is our God, he remains there to intercede for you when you doubt the faith. We're going to make this more clear in a second. When you deal with difficult, he's able, I'm getting ahead of myself, to be an advocate for you. But what's interesting is, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Now, it says, Jesus, the Son of God. I, I, I like that. I, I, like, I like the fact that it said Jesus, the Son of God, because it's letting you know Jesus' equality with the Father. In other words, if he is heir, please stay with me. Y'all trekking with me, right? And, uh, since, he's, since a son is heir to everything that his father is, and he's of the same essence as his father is. There were sons of God, but he was the Son of God. In other words, he was the one who was of same essence as the Father, and he's going to sit in the mercy seat. So right here, it's declaring that he is God. So not only did he pass through all of the heavens, and he's sitting in unapproachable light. That's what Paul calls it. And even those who are in there cover their face because they can't look at the one he sits at the right hand of. But Jesus Christ can look the Father in the face. But listen to what it says. This is weird. It's weird that he says this here. After this, he says, let us hold fast our confession. Why would he say that? It doesn't make sense to say let us hold fast. He's saying because Jesus made this whole thing a done deal, hold fast to your confession. This is very important. Uh, um, the Bible is full of confessional documents. The New Testament is full of them. Uh, um, um, when you look at Colossians chapter 1, it says, uh, uh, before them all things, were, uh, all things existed, and to him and through him he created all things. Those were hymns and those were creedal confessions. Those creedal confessions were very important in stabilizing people in having a clarity of what they believe. That's why we're doing more creeds now, so that you can have a, 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 an anchor of what you believe, not just I feel like. You can't just feel like the Lord is good to you. You just can't feel like God is good. You have to know some stuff because your feelings aren't always, your feelings can lie to you. 
Oh, y'all, see, some of y'all don't know. Your, your feelings will make you doubt truth. And, and if you don't have truth and all you have is feelings for your rudder, you're going to drift. So you have to have confessions. Let me, now, I'm, I'm going to make it. When we do cover the community, we do cover the community. We do something. We, we stand everybody in front of the church, and, and we do a back-and-forth communication. That's public confession. When we do baptism, we say, do you, have you trusted in Christ? And, have you, and, and uh, walk people through the confessional statement of that reality because we want people to remember their confession. It's so important to remember what you confess. Why? Because those moments of confession create a, 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 a memory for you that, that, that there was a transformation that took place. Okay, y'all still looking at me funny. This is, this is why, this is why I like, this, this, why, this is why I love weddings. Weddings. And I, I use the remix vows and everything, but I usually keep these. I blank, take the blank to be my lawfully wedded husband or wife. To have, to hold from this day forward. They be smiling right there, looking at each other. To have and to hold. They be talking back and forth for better or for when they saying it with all, they're not even thinking, they're thinking about the wedding night and all of that, for better, for worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, to love, to cherish, to death do you part. I do. I do. They're they excited. Get married. <laughs> Pastor, I'm not happy. I said, so let me see where happiness is as a ground for divorce. Let me see. Happiness. Okay. Happiness. She don't do what I want her to do. Let me see where follow your commands is in the Bible. Let me let me see that. Um, um, see, 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 people. Like it's, I was watching a podcast the other day, and, 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 and you know, y'all know me. I, I, you know, I just be like, I just. So I'm watching the podcast, and these women were on there basically saying, "My husband is great." He's very great. He's a good man, but I'm not happy with him. So I'm divorcing him to be happy. Why am I saying this? Because there are things that cause us to drift in our faith that have nothing to do with core commitment. That doesn't mean happiness is a part of the faith, but happiness flows from truth. Okay. I, I, this wasn't even in my notes, but I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I could quote it, but I'm going to read it because y'all don't believe me. And so I'm going to read this in here. And this word actually translates to happiness, but happiness is connected to reality. How have someone, how happy are those, this is, this is, who, this is where happiness is. Who do not walk in the advice of the wicked. <laughs> or stand in the pathway of sinners. Or sit in the company of mockers. You was walking, then you got comfortable and started standing. And then you got real comfortable and you sat your behind down. But it said... Who's happy? What makes you happy? Instead, his or her delight is in the Lord's instruction. How, how do you get happy? Meditating on it day and night. 
Listen, let me tell you something. This is back to the marriage illustration. Sometimes in marriage, I don't feel like I love my wife. Married people, raise your hand if you lose feelings for your spouse every now and then. Or oh, some of y'all scared to. Some of y'all scared to. Some of y'all scared to. <laughs> but listen, listen. Every, see, like, I didn't say nothing, honey. I, I, I always feel for you. Love you, right? <laughs> but listen, but listen, there are times where you won't feel love. And listen, if, uh, if we keep it a buck, we're like, man, I should have married that person over there. Am I married? <laughs> then you catch the Holy Ghost. And then the Holy Spirit said, you don't even know the problems you'd have even over there. Every situation has its issues. So just saddle back up in the one I gave you and get back to work. Why is that important? Because the faith is like that. Sometimes you won't feel like being a Christian. I'm telling you, there are times, listen, somebody say the wrong thing to you. You're like, woo, sanctification, sanctification, sanctification. Sanctification. <laughs> I want to cuss you out. <laughs> right? But your sanctification kicks in. But why, why is this important in this passage? With what, 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 what he's saying, <clears throat> because truth grounds you. That, 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 uh, so, 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 that, so that's important. But why, why people don't hold fast? Why don't they hold fast to their confession? Because they don't have a working understanding of the faith. Because most people don't have, it's, it's in, in any craft, can, can you imagine going to the doctor and, and them not having a working knowledge of working on you? Oh, Lord. Um, churches, and this is the other thing, though. Churches are settling for pep talk and self-help lessons above discipleship and gospel preaching. And so what, what's happening now is purpose and destiny and season is the gospel. That's the gospel now. Entrepreneurialism. You, people come to church to get inspiration for business building. Y'all know I'm telling the truth, and y'all know y'all watch them. And I'm not saying that, you know, the church should inspire you. But centrally, it's not about God is about to do this in your life and the reason why he's going to do this and give this money so that God can increase you this way. And it's like, dude, stop. Like, listen, the person is spiritually bankrupt. The last thing they need now is more money to drive them away from the king of kings and the Lord of lords that they already don't spend time with. But you want them to be diligent about their business, but they're not diligent about their faith. None of that. And it's people were in the church, but the church ain't in them. But another piece is just laziness. Some people, just, listen, you don't pray. And when you don't pray, when you don't get in the Word, when you don't get in the community, you're going to drift. When you don't apply what your counselor tells you, you're going to drift. Ain't no, everybody quiet on that part. Everybody likes therapy, but nobody likes to use what is in it. Like some people, I, I'm in therapy. Okay, what, are you, what work are you doing? Like, are you, is it working? Because you've been telling me for five years you're in therapy. I mean, help me. Uh, 
A good, a good counselor is trying to work themselves out of a job with you. That's a good counselor. I got to move. I got two more points. I'm sorry. Next point. <laughs> Jesus coming to earth should signal how serious he is about our lives. So beautiful. Jesus coming to earth should signal how serious, listen, he is about our lives. Verse 15. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. That's fire. Uh, that's, 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 that's beautiful, right? Um, um, the, the, the idea of sympathy is interesting here um, uh, because, you know, high priest. Um, usually, uh, you you can you can deal with so much so much of people's issues. I, can you imagine being at the gate and everybody's bringing their sacrifices all the time? What did you do? Okay, like if, if it's like been a million people that year, literally, and you work with all those people, you just like, uh, all right, you're tired. But Jesus, interestingly enough, has the strength to be empathetic and sympathetic to all of us at the same time, equally, and we can all feel and sense it and experience it. Do you know how deep that is? That's how expansive his heart is. So, so, so why is this important? It's superlatively important for a, a, a multitude of reasons. Uh, um, um, uh, uh, because Jesus, interestingly enough, didn't experience everything we experienced, but he experienced enough in the human experience to have an expansive knowledge of our experience. Meaning, Jesus experienced trauma experienced trauma. He experienced microaggressions and macroaggressions. He experienced racism. He experienced weakness. He experienced exhaustion. He experienced discrimination. He was assaulted. Do you know if you've been assaulted, Jesus can empathize with that? He's experienced police brutality and abuse. Roman soldiers, that's what the police. Being overlooked, he experienced abandonment. He experienced betrayal and disappointment. Most of all, he experienced wanting for people more than what they wanted for themselves. But interestingly, I mean, so, so Jesus, when, when, when he empathizes with us, <coughs> he doesn't empathize with us from a distant perspective. This is going to be dope in a second. But, 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 but you got to understand, he was tempted in every way as we were, yet without sin. T many of us, when we hear the word temptation, guess what we think of? We think of temptation as the sin. Temptation is not the sin. Temptation is the authentic presentation of an opportunity to sin. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. Um, so, <clears throat> whenever I go through Penn Station in New York, there is a place in there that uh, can hurt me. <laughs> it's called Magnolia Bakery. I almost spoke in tongues right there as soon as that came out. I'm serious. I just almost did it. Um, <laughs> and whenever I go through, they, they, I mean, they have a banana pudding that will destroy your life. <laughs> but, 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 but what's interesting is if my coach says, do not do it, that's his command. Because if I do it, I've messed up. But I go over and I just look at Magnolia Bakery 
And I just kind of stand there. And I see them scooping the banana pudding. And they put it all up in the thing and smash it all down in the cup and cover it and give it to somebody. They say, can I help you, sir? No, thank you. I was tempted, but I didn't fall. Jesus experienced authentic opportunities to sin. It was presented to him. So he was tempted. So, so, so why, why is that? Because Jesus is Jacob's ladder. Y'all hear me? Okay. What is Jacob's ladder? In John 51, John, I'm sorry, John 51, John 151, Jesus told Nathaniel, and then he said, he said, he said, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What does that go back to? Y'all still with me? Genesis 32. When Jacob saw the ladder, the top of the ladder touched heaven, the bottom of the ladder touched earth. If Jesus is the ladder, he's the connection between heaven and earth. How is he the connection between heaven and earth? He's human and he's God. So God the Father and God the Spirit have never experienced being human. And we, of course, have never experienced being God. Amen? Amen. I'm just making sure. <laughs> and so because we don't understand God and God doesn't experientially have experienced humanity, Jesus explains to the Father why we be wilding. It's not that the Father doesn't know he hasn't experienced. He said, I, I've been in that situation, Pop. Uh, yeah, I know they wilding, and I know I beat that. But, um, yeah, let me, let me explain to you how the, how, how, how the epinephrine be feeling when you... You know, so, so what he's doing is, is he's explaining humanity to the Father to intercede on our behalf so that resources can be released to us because the Father now has an experiential connection to our broken experience. I don't even know how to really fully explain this. I'm doing the best I can with it, but, but somehow Jesus lets the Father know what we're dealing with because God never has been lonely before. Never. He's self-sufficient. So he doesn't even understand loneliness. Remember when y'all left me on the cross? That experience right there. Father, he, he's, do you know he's right now talking to the Father? Now, you know he doesn't have just one word. They can talk. He can speak at the same time to the Father for all of us in multiple voices, and the Father hears him. Y'all don't even understand what I'm saying right now. In other words, he doesn't take an individual and just talks to him about you. He talks about every, because he can hear all of our prayers, even though he's human, but he's still God. And so he can hear all of our prayers and cries at the same time. And what's so funny about it is when we can't pray, the Holy Spirit hears our groanings and utterings, and he interprets it to the Father. So we have double interpreters to help us to... 
So, lastly, Jesus has an open-door policy to hear our need for strength and grace in failure. He has an open-door policy. I love this so much. This, this, this is so good. Because it says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace. Now, I know y'all heard that a hundred times, but this is going to hit different. The throne has a nickname in this text. And the nickname is grace. Now, for everybody, that throne isn't called grace. Only if you know Jesus is it a throne of grace. Because if you don't know Jesus, in Revelation it's called a great white throne of judgment. But with you and I, when we go up to the throne, it's a throne that's marked by unmerited favor. But why don't we go to it? No, 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 no. What's interesting why we don't go to it is because we, we treat life like life treats us. Um, interesting, when, 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 like one of the worst things in my day, when you got in trouble at school, you got a beating at school. Like, like I don't, some of y'all ain't grew up where that ruler was to measure and to whoop. <laughs> then I went to Catholic school. Boy, boy. But let me tell you something. The wor- that wasn't the worst part of it. The worst part of it for me was I'm going to call your parents. And they have you in the office when they call your parents. And your parents, <clears throat> yes, principal, yeah, Eric is in here acting a fool. Oh, oh, a fool, huh? Oh, he, let, 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 uh, tell me what he's, tell me what he did. Tell me what, I'm, like, I'm sitting there like. Give, give him, I can, you can hear your parent do the thing, talking. Give him the phone. And slowly the principal just bringing it over. And I'm just like, I'm, I bring it slowly to my ear. Get that phone to your ear. I put it to my ear. When you get home. I'm going to tear your behind. Oh, you, oh, we acting a fool now, huh? Oh, we, oh, oh, we, oh, we, okay. I'm going to show you what kind of fool I can be when you get home. Click, boo, and you like this. And the whole rest of the day, you're, you're taking a nap on the desk. <laughs> your soul to love your body. And you walking home like, woo. But, but, but in, interestingly enough, to face my discipline, I go home because I'm going to, but I'm scared because of what I'm going to face. But many of us treat God's throne like that. Like God is the angry parent that's waiting for you to get there so that he can beat you down and, sh- and, and equalize your discipline with the equality of the sin that you did. That's not, that's why it's called, that's, he didn't call it the throne of discipline. He called it the throne of grace. Then he goes further. 
What is, why is it called grace? The purpose of it is so that we may receive mercy. What is mercy? Not getting what you deserve. Do you know even when God disciplines you, you ain't got what you deserve? You thought your consequences was bad. They're not as bad as they could have been. To receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Most of us drift. Most of, most of our drifting. And everybody, it's not just about drifting out of the faith. It's, many times it's just about being drift and distance from God in general and living a lifestyle of distance from God. Because God, let me tell you something, God loves to have. He, he died, Jesus died on the cross to create eternal proximity between us and God. Do you understand that? He, like, like that's the whole purpose of it. And this is eternal life, that you know God and his son. That's eternal life. So, so, so God loves, God, God's, one of God's love languages is quality time. He, he loves nearness to you. And it grieves him when you think that all he has for you is wrath and fury. If you know him, that's over. If you know him, it's love. If you know him, it's peace. If you know him, it's comfort. If you know him, it's growth. If you know him, it's truth. If you know him, it's life. If you know him, it's renewal. If you know him, it's reconciliation. If you know him, it's restoration. If you know him. I'm closing. I'm closing. <laughs> um, a big brother had to raise his sibling because their parents died. And he became extremely wealthy. <laughs> and he invested deeply in his sibling a lot. Invested money, invested resources, everything that was needed to succeed. Um, the sibling went to college, and the whole thing was paid for by the big brother. Um, then the sibling went out and started a business. And through everything that happened with that younger sibling, the younger sibling began to just squander everything and destroy everything. And the older sibling heard about it, but the younger sibling was, was, was afraid to respond because they didn't know how the older brother was going to respond. So what they ended up doing is <clears throat> they kept taking steps away from the advances of the brother to help them. The, and so the, 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 the little brother ended up, the little sibling ended up getting out on skid row and getting homeless and on drugs. And the older brother did everything to get resources and private investigators and everything to try to find his younger sibling. But nobody could find his younger sibling. So the older sibling came out of his penthouse and went down and began looking for his younger sibling. And one day he, he finally found his younger sibling. And his younger sibling kind of closed his eyes and was embarrassed because of all that he had squandered in the place in life that he had become. And the older sibling says, I've been looking for you. And the younger sibling says, I know, but I was just embarrassed because you invested so much in me. I didn't want to bother you anyone. I didn't want to hear your anger. And I did. The, he said, the last thing I got for you was anger. If you would have came to me five steps ago, you would have never been at this place. 
But if you'd have came to me when this first started happening, I wouldn't have given you anger and bitterness. I would have helped you and walked you through everything you need to do to be where you need to be. But you kept taking steps away from me, and I had to work hard to find me, find you. But I love you this much that I'm willing to come out and search for you. And even at this state, I'm not angry at you. Come with me so that we can get back to step one where you're supposed to be and never think that when you fall or make a mistake, that I would distance myself from you ever again. But feel like you could come to me anytime. Well, we have a king who came out of his penthouse. And we took steps away from him. But he's taken steps to look for us and to take care of us. And he did it so much so that he was willing to take care of it on a hill called Golgotha. 2,000 years ago where they hung him high and stretched him wide and he took care of everything in our life by doing in six hours what it would have taken us an eternity in hell to pay for and on the third day he got up with all power in his hands and not only that he gave over to us the keys to the kingdom many of you under the sound of my voice have been distancing yourself from God because you're afraid and thinking that he's like some taskmaster waiting to beat you down. But the beauty of the gospel is he's already paid for the sin that you committed. But he wants you to come closer again for you, believer. But for those of you who don't know him, he wants you to come to him for the first time. Every head bow, every eye closed under the sound of my voice. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.